0: Men-oh, o, is the Greek word that came out of Jesus' mouth when he said, abide, abide in me. That word means to continue, to dwell, to be present, to remain, to stay in a given place with expectancy. That's difficult, you know, for, for New Yorkers. I've waited a few years to be able to say that. That's difficult for us New Yorkers. Um, it's tough. I read a statistic uh, a couple years ago, and I don't know. Somebody else may know if this is correct. There's a high turnover rate in New York City, right? And and like people only last that move to the city. Typically, there's a. Does anybody know what the stats are? I've most people the state, like, in five years. Yeah, I thought I thought I've heard that the stat was like. Almost like 30% turnover in three to five years. That's insane. But it just kind of goes to show the mindset in New York City. It's just go, go, go until you can't go anymore, and then go. Um, But we just hustle. I've had conversations with people who are thinking of moving to the city, and and that's that's kind of one of the words that always comes out of my mouth is you gotta be ready to hustle. You gotta be willing to hustle. Not like trick people, but work hard, right? It's kind of like a great white shark. You know, you've heard that if a great white shark it has to swim, if it ever stops swimming, it dies. Not all sharks are that way, but I think uh, great whites are that way. But you know, that's not how we were created to live. That's not God's initial design for you and for me. We were created to live and not just move. Not just to be active and fill time. And the living that we're called to do is connected with our Creator, right? Uh, we are created for this relationship. You hear, uh, if you are at Neighborhood Church very much, and you guys are, you hear us talk about relationship all the time because that's what we were created for, relationship with our Creator and with one another. But we're uh, designed to be connected to and resting Uh, in our Lord. And Jesus came to restore that relationship because um, mankind has brought a curse upon ourselves, right? In the fall, in the garden. We see God created Adam and Eve to walk with him, to, to be in relationship with him. And we broke out of that. We disconnected. We sought to live life disconnected from God. And we've all been guilty of that, right? We've all had that in our lives Um, without christ without acknowledging god and our relationship with him that's what we're doing we're we're living under this curse of disconnect disconnectedness Um, and christians we are not immune to that and in john 15 which is what we were looking at this um, this weekend and we'll finish up with this morning jesus calls his followers he calls his disciples he calls you and i to abide in Him. That that um, presentness, that relationship, that staying with Him, um, resting in Him. And He gives the prescription for that disconnectedness. Why do I, I... I sabotage myself by putting this word in here. This disconnectedness with God. He gave us the solution for that. That's Jesus, right? Jesus coming. Um, he gives us prescription for this sickness. It's really an aimless wandering uh, that we, we are in when we are not connected with Christ and we're not walking and abiding in Him. And it's ultimate aloneness. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. So I'm going to read uh, John chapter 15. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 17. Um, so if you have a copy of Scripture it can get to uh, these words, I'm going to read John 15 beginning in verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. Uh, Ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you this morning to, by your spirit, communicate your word to our hearts. God, we've heard these verses, we've talked about these verses this weekend, and there's some familiarity there, but God, I just pray by your spirit you would Pierce our hearts with them that we might know what it is you're saying to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Ultimately, abiding. You know, we've talked about abiding a lot this weekend, and we talked about the results in our lives, and we've talked about ourselves a lot, but we have to start in the place where we understand that abiding is ultimately about the vine. Um, Jesus said in verse one, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Verse four, abide in me, and I in you. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So the abiding doesn't matter if we're abiding in the wrong thing. Jesus said, I'm the the vine, and through me, you can do everything. Without me, you can do nothing. So it is about the vine. And so Christ is calling us here, His disciples and you and I, to live a healthy, fruitful, productive, meaningful life by abiding in the vine, in Him. Because this is how you and I were created to live we 've gone off in left field, everything you see happening outside, everybody you know going up and down the road if they 're not pursuing and abiding in christ we 're just we 're headed we 're trying to fill the gaps we 're trying to make best use of this disconnected uh, curse that we live in, but we were created to walk with God in the garden right intimate connected relationship with our creator it's so funny because today if you talk to uh, someone I know in our neighborhood or really any neighborhood, there's, there's people who don't have a relationship with Christ, and but they're religious. There's lots of religion. Even in our community, we have lots of buildings and religious organizations. But when you start talking about relationship, that's weird. People don't really understand what that is, or we push away from that because we've trained ourselves to be disconnected. But our design was to be connected with our creator. And so everything that we see in the world, all that we're dealing with, all the brokenness, all the heartache, all the struggle is because we are disconnected from the source of this life. So I want us to look at just a couple points that we see in this passage about the vine and about abiding. First is there is grace in the vine. He says in verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Listen, abiding is not about salvation, right? We've talked about this. He says you're already clean. Abiding is not even about keeping our salvation. Abiding is an invitation to live life to the fullest. Jesus said, I came that they may have life, have it to the abundant. That's what abiding is about. Connected to and growing in my walk with Christ and my walk uh, and His work in and through me. Um, but there's grace in this, though. In that, in that verse 2, he says, takes away. And we talked about this that this weekend. That takes away is the Greek word arrow, which really means to lift up. And if you think about it in the gardening sense, to to lift up. He's not saying that you're thrown away if you're not... Uh, abiding you're not producing fruit he's saying he 's saying um, Jesus lifts us up, his desire is that we bear fruit there's grace in that he doesn't just push us away he doesn't act in the way that you and I would act towards a friend who was unfaithful or uh, uh, any relationships or they 've treated us poorly or they 've uh, ignored us or ghosted us or whatever you call it on 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 um, texting or whatever it is. He is gracious and He comes after us and He, he is making an effort in your life right now to, to bring you to the light, to produce fruit in your life and in mine. You know, that garden, gardener will take the vines that maybe are on the ground and are not producing fruit, and lift them up, put them on some sort of stand so they can, they can get light, right? So um, Josh and I were talking about this yesterday that so many times we see God exposing even our weaknesses to us so that we might, he might bring light to that, so that he might grow us through that, grow us out of that. It's, God is full of grace. Jesus is full of grace. His desire is that we bear fruit. He's not seeking to destroy us. So many people go through life today, and they see the struggles and the pain of a world that is living disconnected from God, and they think God is either not a good God, doesn't exist, or hates them. I heard uh, walk through our uh, foyer Thursday night, I think, and I heard our our uh, doorman was sitting with an elderly woman who I've witnessed to before, and she's um, Hindu, and they were talking about he was he was watching some video and he was showing it to her, and I overheard it. I wanted to stop, but I have my arms full and everything, so I let eternity go. I'm sorry, that's not a good excuse, but I heard the video was like. There cannot be a God, because look at all the pain and suffering in the world. That just does not make sense, or at least He's not a good God. And it was just, I was just like, oh, man, that's that's like a call to me, but I kept going. Um, but that is the attitude of so much of the world. And so much I think some of us begin to believe that, too. We start seeing the struggles in our own life. It's like, okay, God, give me a break. Give me a break. I remember when I was young in my walk with the Lord, and I had, like, bounced a couple checks and... Things were just not happening well. My finances weren't doing well. And I just remember turning to God and saying, what is your problem? I'm trying here. Help me. But what God was doing, what Christ is doing is is lifting me as a branch, lifting me as his child up into the light and so that I can bear fruit. And he's working through all those things. We live in a fallen world. He loves me. He cares for me. He is pursuing me. His desire is that I grow. And not only that, um, well, I wanted to say, also, John 10.10, he said a little bit earlier, the thief, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, everything else in our life, everything else in, in your life and in the world is seeking to rot us right? And everything else that we draw nutrition from, that we draw life from, that we've put our hopes and, and dreams in, actually are rotting us. Only by abiding in Christ, only in our relationship with Him do we produce fruit. Are we healthy? See, this whole picture is about this nutrition of the branch, right? It's based on being connected to that vine, abiding in that vine, uh, vine. But not only that, not only does He lift us up, but He also prunes us there. That that picture in every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes. That word, uh, the original word means to purge or to cleanse. He is working in our lives as followers of Christ to refine us like gold, right? And sometimes that is in the fire. Sometimes that's what we're in the middle of when we're shaking our fist and wondering, God, what are you doing? I'm trying here. Well, what happens is so often we have our own ideas. We get a little bit of Jesus. We'll abide a little bit or, or kind of turn our attention to Him for a little bit till we get some instruction or get some, some pointing in a direction we feel. And then we run. We run off in that direction. And then before we know it, we're 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 stuck. He is refining us, and sometimes He lets us run right into the fire in order to burn off that dross, in order to prune us so that we produce more fruit. Um, That process, you know, this sanctification process, is us uh, being transformed, and it's giving ourselves to that transformation. So abiding in the vine, there's grace there because he doesn't stomp on us or get rid of us. He actually lifts us up and then he works in and through us. He prunes us, which is not always comfortable. But what he's doing is replacing our old selves. See, even as believers of Christ, we come to Christ. Sometimes we have a lot of baggage. Some people have more baggage than others. And I can look back on my life and I can see when I first gave my life fully to Christ, I can see I had a lot of baggage and a lot of misunderstandings. But I took kind of the way my mind worked and the way that I did life. And I tried to fit Jesus in that and kind of run in that, you know, in that way. And Jesus was like, no, I want all of you. And it's a process. I'm going to work in you and change your thinking. And so he's refining us. And he says, um, You know, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my father, the father in my name, he may give it to you. See, part of the whole the work of the Holy Spirit in my life is this pruning so that we produce more of God and less of myself, more of God's desires in my prayers, in my in the depths of my heart and in my dreams and my hopes, more of God and less of me. Less of the rotten fruit and more of the, the healthy fruit. So there's grace because He, he uh, lifts us up. He prunes us. He's working in us. Isn't that, I mean, that is exciting to me. Because so often I feel alone in this world if I've got my eyes on the things of the world and on people because people fail, even the people that are, um, you know, that I depend the most on. None of us are perfect. And I get my eyes off of Christ. And at times you can feel lonely. You can feel like you're on this journey alone. But he says, I am there and I am working in you. Even in the struggles, even when you're feeling alone, I'm there ministering to you. And then he says, already you are clean. I mean, that's the ultimate grace right there. This is an absolute statement of affirmation to his disciples that they are secure in Jesus. Jesus is speaking about fruit He's not speaking about forgiveness. He's letting them know that. I'm, I'm, Jesus is speaking about what is produced in abiding in him, walking within the life that he offers, not about our standing before holy God. Jesus says, you are clean because of me. And it's not about works. It's easy to look at this and say, well, I'm not producing enough works, so maybe that's the fruit. No, no, it's, it's an invitation to live in freedom. And fruitfulness and faith. So, um, and that begins with the gospel. We know that. That's a, that's, um, we were created to abide, like I said at the beginning, uh, with God, to walk with God. That's, that's how this life was meant to be lived. And we broke that. We disconnected that from the beginning. And we see it even now our our default oftentimes is to turn away and take control of this thing myself and that's what we we've done and so we're all lost the Bible says that we've all done that it's not just a uh, you know it's not just this international thing or this curse on the fallen world it is that but it's because each one of us is a sinner and so Jesus is the vine that connects us that brings us back into that right relationship with God and so um if you don't know that for sure, I mean that's the initial thing. Um, if you don't know that for sure, you have to you have to secure that. Um, you have to secure that my faith is in Christ alone for my salvation. I ask people all the time uh, some of some of you know we're going through this membership process, and one of the one of the most valuable things of this process is that I get to ask you right at the very beginning, so tell me about your relationship with Christ. Tell me what it you know. If you say that I'm a Christian, what does that mean? And that's the blood of Jesus shed on the cross that I've received that. I put my faith in that when I stand before God one day. uh, I'll stand as a forgiven sinner, a new creature because of what Jesus did. I won't bear my own penalty for my sin. That's what it's all about. That is coming into that relationship with Christ. And so that is the ultimate grace. That is what it is to be clean, uh, made right. Before God. And so there's grace in the vine. There's also fruit from the vine, right? There's a lot of what this passage talks about. Jesus said in verse 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, this is what happens. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, what is this fruit? He mentions, a f- goes through a few descriptors here and a few things, but what he's ultimately talking about is when we come in a relationship with Christ, when we experience that grace at the cross. That that, uh, I pray that we've all uh, experienced God gives us His Spirit, His very presence in our lives. So every one of us that, that has accepted Christ as Savior, the presence of Almighty God is in me and working through me. And He's working on me, right? And He produces fruit. The Holy Spirit looks like someone. That's what the Bible says. Uh, galatians chapter five twenty two through twenty four familiar passage passage for some says but the fruit of the spirit so what he's saying the evidence of the spirit this fruit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh flesh with its passions and desires the fruit that Jesus is talking about is His presence. The fruit that he's talking about is the evidence of his presence in my life. We're not quenching the Spirit. We're not grieving the Spirit as believers. We are allowing the Spirit to have complete control. And when we abide, he's saying his Spirit has complete freedom of movement the more that we abide in Christ. That is how we were created to live. This picture that he gives us in Galatians chapter 5, the, the fruit of the Spirit. That's, that's how we were meant to live. And that's who God is. If you're struggling with love, abide. No joy, abide. If you're struggling with having peace, if you feel like you don't have peace, abide. Kindness, goodness, all those things Continue. On and on. Abide. Jesus has come to me. Let me work in you and through you. My spirit will produce fruit in your life. And this is not just a prescription to be a better person, to get more joy or, yeah, I'm lacking a little bit of peace. Let me get some more of that. The call to abide is the call, uh, this call to bear fruit is is the call to stop living alone. Stop living disconnected from our loving Father. See, we weren't meant to live alone. You may say, well, I don't live alone. I have people around me, I have people that care for me, people that say they love me. Listen, without a relationship with Jesus, you are alone. You are an orphan walking through this life blindly guessing, searching, Every relationship that you have is an effort to fill that void that only Jesus can fill. But in Christ, when we know Christ, when we know the love of God through Christ, we know peace, we know love that only He can give, then our other relationships can thrive. They can be healthy because we're getting our nutrition from the source of life, the source of love. We know true love, we know joy. We know gentleness and self control. God loves through us. And so he's calling us to come close, to abide, to stay connected. And there's also fruit from the fruit, right? So there's the fruit of the Spirit. But he talks about fruit from the fruit here. In verse 8, he says, By this, he's talking about abiding and bearing fruit and all these things. He says, By this, My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So the fruit from the fruit is God is glorified in my life. It's not centered necessarily on me. It's ultimately God's glory. And do you know that when God is glorified in your life, that's good for you. That's good for the world. That's good for your neighbors. That's good for your families. That's good for your spouses. That's good for your children. When God is glorified in your life. We see how God is glorified in my life in a few ways. First of all, I walk in God's plan for me. When God is being glorified in my life, I'm walking in His plans because He has plans for me. When I'm abiding in Him, when I'm listening to Him, when I'm letting Him lead, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has a plan for you. And in His plan for you, He is glorified. And so when we walk with Him, when we abide in Christ, God is glorified because He is leading. God is glorified also because we have victory over sin. You and I are not walking trapped in the, the muck and mire of our own sin and our own bad decisions. First John 3, 6 says, Whoever abides in Him does not sin. So if I'm struggling with sin, if sin seems to have victory over me, particular sins possibly, abide, press into Jesus. God is working for His glory in your life. And part of that is the victory over sin in my life. God is also glorified because His desires become our desires. We talked about this early earlier. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. So delight yourself in what delights God. Fix your eyes on Him. Make Him your pleasure, your affection. It says delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. So when I put uh, my relationship with the Lord first, when I'm sitting at His feet, when I'm abiding in Him, praying and seeking His face and His word, He is replacing my desires with His desires. And then I see it in my prayers. I see it in the way that I pray, my my perspective of others. I'm, I don't only pray me-centered. You start to see... One of the beautiful things in our small group, um, there's a bunch of them. One of the beautiful things is seeing our closing prayer time morph, <laughs> transform. It's like it it went from... Totally normal. God's called us to pray for one another and our sicknesses and our needs, and we we do that. But now we we start to see, you know, what could you pray for? uh, uh, One of my friends asked me to pray for her, and then she asked me, you know, I told her about prayer, and we're going to start meeting together and praying. Or there's a guy at work who's he's not a Christian, and he came to me and said, "You're a Christian, right?" Started asking me. It's like these prayer requests even became outward. It became. God is giving us His heart. Now, He has a heart, and it's biblical to pray for one another and our needs, and we do that as well, but you start to see this little shift. My attention becomes outward and not just about me and what I want and need. God does that when we abide in Him. He changes our desires from these temporary desires, my temporary limited plans and ideas, and it becomes about Him first and then others God is also glorified, and we see in this passage, because His His love, I receive His love, and His love flows through me. That whole little section in 9 and 10 of this passage, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Love, love, love. His love to me, His love through me. So God is glorified because... His love gets to the world. His love gets to your family members and to your friends, to your co workers through me, through you. We become a conduit rather than just a container. My confidence grows. My confidence grows because I'm abiding in Christ and I know that I am loved. When I'm reading and spending time meditating, mulling over God's promises and understanding His love for me, His unconditional, sacrificial, eternal love for me, it gives me a confidence to know how to love others. You know, as a parent, one of the things that has always been important to me and to us is that my children will be confident and secure in our love for them. I want them to know that they are they are loved. Because what does that do? That helps them not pursue being loved in other places. Not pursue, not to be desperate to be loved. It's not like we don't want to love. God, God puts that in us to love and, and desire to be loved. But they know that they are loved. And so when they're uh, building relationships, when they're... Um, looking for a spouse and all those things, they're not desperate. They're not panicking because they can be settled that I am loved. I know that I am cared for. I know that I am loved. So what God has for me, who God has for me, that's what I want. And so I don't have to be desperate or fearful. I'm secure. This, This God being glorified and Him loving in me and through me also, is evident in the Spirit enables me to not respond in the flesh, right? So your loved ones, those that are closest to you, my children, my spouse, all will benefit from me abiding in Christ, God pouring His love out through me to them. My wife and I, uh, well, I did it mainly. Years ago, we would... You know, we were doing Bible studies together some, and then we we uh, just been through many seasons. But I remember, I don't suggest this for anybody who's in, in a relationship. But I would ask every now and then if Tony was in a bad mood or a little bit more, you know, kind of uh, prickly than I thought she should be. I would say, and I only did this like once or twice, "Are you spending time in the Word?" <laughs> She's like, "I just asked you to take the garbage out. What are you talking about?" No, but there's a thing, and we, we agree, we can see it in one another. When we are spending time abiding personally, individually, we can tell. We can tell because God pours out His love through me, and I'm not stopping it because I, when I get my eyes off Jesus, the first place they go is me. And so when I'm living for me, and I want you to live for me, that doesn't work. But when God's love is poured out through me, so the Spirit enables me not to respond in the flesh, to be able to love well. And then finally, this idea of loving through me, God enables me to love the unlovely, right? Or not easily loved, put it that way. He says in verse 17, these things I command you so that you will not love one another. I don't know about you, but I've gone to appointments or I've just started to walk into a room and I paused for a second, okay, God, (laughs) I need you to take over here so that I don't respond in my flesh. I need you to love through me. So it's that communion with the Lord. It's, it's him pouring out his love through me. And then also God is glorified because I walk in the joy of the Lord. He says in verse 11, these things have I spoken to you That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Man, this is what the world is looking for, right? That I could have joy to the fullest extent, possible extent in my life. Jesus gives us the source of that right here. (coughs) I've spoken these things to you. I've called you to abide in me so that you will have the fullness of joy. You would know my joy. God is glorified in that. The things that strangle the world and the, my co-workers and the people around me, they don't strangle me. They don't defeat me because I can live in victory over that. I know the joy of the Lord and I have a right perspective of life. I have a right perspective of the struggles I'll go through, the pains that I go through. But it will not destroy me and the world should see that. My friends and neighbors should see that in me. When I'm feeding daily, when my nutrition is on the promises of God, not on the shifting Uh, promises of the world, but on the promises of God, then my joy is complete. Jesus says when I'm abiding in him. So when we abide in Christ, we draw life from him. God is glorified. And when God is glorified, guess what? I am blessed. I am in the right place. But we all know that sin leads to death, right? In the same way to not abide, to say thank you, Jesus, to to come out of this weekend and say, you know what, that was awesome, that was beautiful. Um, Man, we should abide, awesome. And then to say no thanks and walk away from it, that's sin, right? And that disobedience has consequences as well. When we choose to not abide, it results in a few things. I'll just name a few of them. First of all, I'm dry spiritually, Right? He says, if anyone does not abide in, me, abide in me, he's like the branch that is thrown away and withers. The branch that is not getting nutrition from the vine withers. Not, not that we lose our salvation, but I produce those worthless works. The things that I'm working for in life and striving so hard, they're, they're burnt up in the end. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13 is an interesting passage of scripture. It says this, uh, two will be burnt up in the end, but the life lived for Christ lives on so i'm i 'll be dry spiritually when i don 't abide i'm i'm dry you know you ever have those times where you say i just don 't hear from God i just don 't know if now there's a time when God is silent, he wants me at his feet. I remember in in Bible college a time like that where I was just I was coming to the word of God, and I was praying, and i was you know we talked about that the other day sometimes. That passage, God is just not, He's He's being quiet on purpose, but He wants us there, seeking, searching, abiding. But also, when we choose not to abide, abide, we become self-centered. He says in verse 17, these things I command you, why? So that you will love one another. There will be, it's about others. I don't abide because ultimately. I'm choosing myself, right? I don't take the time to spend time in word in the word or in prayer because I'm just too busy or I just get, I don't see it's important enough. I just tell Jesus, "Thanks a lot." That's a cute story, but I got stuff going on. So ultimately it's about me anyway. When I don't take that time, it's because I'm I'm busy with me. I'm also judgmental and critical of others. Why? Because I'm insecure. That relationship, that loving relationship is not there feeding me. I'm not I'm not getting my nutrition on that. So I'm getting my nutrition on the things of the world. And the things of the world say me first. And then if you're not like me, something's wrong with you. And I began to be more judgmental of those around me. I have a lack of peace. I'm in constant turmoil. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. When I put Jesus at the center of my thought life, my prayer life, my life life, it changes. I live in peace. I walk in peace. It transforms my prayer life. So when I'm not abiding in Christ, I I think I have unanswered prayer all the time. Because I'm really praying about those things that that are full of me. And we're all there. But he says, if you abide in me and my my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. What a great promise. There's so many promises here. One whose mind is fixed on you. It's just, the call to abide is this. It's not simply about believing. It's about being and becoming who we were created to be. More like Christ his image. We are the image bearers of Jesus. And when we don't abide, when we don't put Jesus at the the center of our lives and don't spend time with him and put that him as the priority, then we begin to to bear our own image. The first step to stop living as an orphan is to come to Christ by faith, right? Be born again into the vine. And Christian, this morning the call for you is to stop living as an orphan. Remember the story of the prodigal son Jesus told? That, that story is so powerful to me because it, so much of it is my testimony of coming to Jesus. But it's not just about salvation. Every day you and I wake up and we either say, I want my stuff. I got places to go. Or we say, Father, what would you have for me today? My prayer for for you and for me is that we would all respond to this call by Jesus to abide in Him. It's a call for you today. It's a call for me. Real. It's not just about uh, reorganizing my my schedule, but it's about reorganizing my priorities, my focus, my heart, with Jesus at the center. So. Um, I pray for you today as we leave this place. And if anybody's on there, if they're not, um, then they won't be on there. Um, Put Jesus at the center. We talked about this this weekend, about so much of this Bible reading and this prayer is at the beginning before I enter into it. Let today be that beginning, that place where we say that first step of reading Scripture was ask the Holy Spirit to speak. Let's start today by saying, Holy Spirit, lead me. Make me sensitive to your voice as I leave this place and help me to apply this when I get home. I don't know what exactly it means. God may have already spoken to you like, hey, you need to spend some time in the morning or the evening or afternoon or whatever, more time with me. But let's just pray that we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because the call to abide is the call to live. So let's pray together. Lord God, I just praise you and thank you for your patience and kindness. Lord, thank you that you keep pursuing me. You keep pursuing us. This weekend is about you pursuing us. So Lord, I uh, I thank you for that, your grace. Thank you that there's grace in the vine. Uh, Lord Jesus, you don't discard us, but you desire a closer relationship with us for our benefit, for your glory, for our benefit. So may we uh, prioritize spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, and just refocusing our lives around Christ, that you would be the center of our affections, that we would find um, we would find our confidence, we would find our joy and our peace at your feet and not search for those things in the world and then watch you transform us, watch you bear fruit in our lives and the fruit from the fruit that the Father would be glorified. Lord, that's our desire, so we lay our lives before you and ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.